praise you, Jesus. Well, it's good to have you here this morning. Let's pray. We're going to be believing God for our leaders every time, and you should be doing this in your prayer time each day, is praying, believing God for leaders, for who it is that is leading our cities, our hospitals, our, our provinces, nations. Let's pray right now. Father, your word declares to pray for leaders, pray for those in authority so that we might lead a godly life, a peaceful life. And so in Jesus' name, we pray for this nation of Canada. We pray for our prime ministers, for those in leadership politically, for those, Father, in leadership over provinces and cities. We declare the Spirit of the Lord flows through these airwaves and flows in our cities and our country. We pray right now, Father, for the United States and for what's going on there and for the president and, Father, for the election there and here. We pray for other countries. We declare that, Father, country by country, they're serving Jesus Christ. We declare for leaders in our churches that, Father, they are rising up as never before. Wake up the mighty man. Wake up the mighty woman in every believer. And I thank you for the church of Jesus Christ rising and as never before and impacting this planet, this nation, and advancing the kingdom of God and any mouth that rises against your church we put it down any force that rises against your word and the freedoms it brings us we command it taken out and father give us leaders after your heart in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen thank you father there's a song that was written a, quite a while ago but it was made popular in the last little while called Say Something, I'm Giving Up On You. And it's about a breakup. You know, almost all the songs are about a breakup and say something, I'm giving up on you. But as I was preparing this message this week, this term kept going through my mind. And it, you see, there are many believers today, maybe you're one of these believers, who look at God and it's like, God, if you don't do something, God, if you don't say something, I'm desperate. Say something. I'm giving up on you. Do something. I'm giving up on you. We live in a world where the teaching to the church, I'm sorry, but it just needs to be said. I'm not coming against any individual person. I'm not coming against any individual denomination. It just continually needs to be said that if teaching is not accurate, that you destroy a believer's ability to walk in victory. And if God's word does not create on the inside of you a faith, a positive belief, an expectation, a, an understanding of the truths and the wisdom of God's word, then you become a Christian who only believes that God will make internal changes, but the external world that you live in, well, just suck it up until you get to heaven. Not, not much is going to change. If you study the actual doctrines of many denominations, great men and women, quote unquote, of God who are considered prolific teachers and men and women of doctrine, a great majority of people today have embraced the doctrine 
that signs, wonders, the power of God in your mind, your emotions, your physical body, your relationships, your career, that, well, God doesn't care about that as much as he cares about you spiritually. And while there's a little nugget of truth in there, it is impossible for you to be changed internally and not have it affect your external world. Today I want to talk about something that so few Christians seem to walk in and understand. And it leaves them feeling left out. It leaves them feeling like orphans. It leaves them uh, just wondering, God, like where are you? Why aren't you going to do something? As a young man, I'll never forget having a friend that just brilliant, disciplined in body, and, and one of these self-made men. His, his story was incredible of, of what he was like in special forces and what he could do with his body and how tough he was. And this is a guy I would never mess with. And, and he gave his life to Christ and for a little while kind of hung with us and began to renew his mind in the Word a little bit, and then he just left. And a little while later, I found out that he had taken his own life because he just couldn't understand why he couldn't get victory. He couldn't get results. He applied all of his willpower. He applied all of his loyalty to God, all of his willpower to obeying his word. He prayed and he sought God and, and nothing seemed to work the way the word said. And he literally became so frustrated, he became so depressed um, that, that he took his own life and in the most painful way he could think of because he, there was just something wrong with him if he couldn't get God's word to work. I've seen over the years in, in pastoring so many people who struggle because they won't dive into God's word and establish their heart in truth. You can't wander through life and just think that the casual prayer to God is going to solve everything. We find one little verse like, you know, God asks and you shall receive. Or, you know, if you cry out to God, he hears and understands. And that's about as much Christianity as we want. And we omit the verses that say in the new covenant, you must renew your mind in truth. You must establish your heart. And so listen today and let me help you to move from this place of frustration, this place of, uh, of just like what's wrong with me, this place of trying so hard. You know, as a young pastor, as Sal and I came and began to take on this leadership of this church and it began to explode and grow and all the problems that came with it that you're dealing with from money to lands to people to death threats and then you got your own personal issues you got babies coming and your own personal finances and marriage etc and, and I remember believing God for things and there were times if I was not careful that I would begin to think this way what's wrong God I'm laying down my life. I'm preaching your word. Uh, look what God is doing or look what I'm doing. Look at what the, the things that are taking place. Why wouldn't you heal me? Why wouldn't you deal with this situation? And it was an awful feeling to begin to feel like, God, say something. 
I'm giving up on you. Say something. Do something. I'm giving up on you. And if people don't give up and just backslide right out of the Christian life, we become, uh, we stop expecting anything great. And we relegate ourselves as followers of Christ, that he has some kind of change internally and will make heaven. But heaven is where we're going to live with passion and joy and healing and prosperity and the promises of God. Those are for the sweet by and by. And I knew from my studies of the word that that was not true. And I just refused to settle. This truth that I want to share today is what radically changed my life and helped me that when I begin to wander off the path, that I would come back to the path of righteousness. Now, when you talk about paths of righteousness, everyone thinks the paths of doing right and cleaning up your life. And that's not what it's talking about. Although when you understand this message, you will easily deal with any sin in your life, any addiction that has got you. You know, so many believers, when they first give their lives to Christ, they, if they don't deal with something that controls them, something that is messing with them. They tend to settle in, and that problem will be the ongoing problem for the rest of their lives. And so today, I want you to understand one of the most powerful, important doctrines of from the cross to the throne. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21, it's talking here in the verse previously, which I'm going to get into a little later, it says, Paul is saying, I do not frustrate the grace of God. What is God's grace? God's grace isn't just that he likes you. His love is beautiful. God's grace is his ability that comes to you freely as a gift. That's why it's by grace that you're saved. God's ability, God's favor, but it's through faith. So here it's Paul is saying, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I'm not going to, I don't want to frustrate the ability that is getting results in my life, that is protecting me from city to city, healing my body when they brutally beat me with rods and busted up the bones of my feet. When I was sickness pushed against me, when things, I don't want to frustrate his grace, his ability, because I need his ability. Because when I'm weak, he's strong in my life. So he's saying here in the Galatians, he is saying, do not frustrate the grace of God. Then he goes on to explain, for if righteousness comes by the law, let me cut through a ton of crucial teaching, but for if righteousness comes through your efforts, then Christ is dead for nothing. The Old Testament became righteous through what they did and believed. But you and I today, we are to believe. 
in something more powerful. This new covenant that we have with Jesus is greater than the old covenant that Abraham had, that King David had, that all these men and women of old, the, the covenant that we have is greater. So maybe you're living in a world today where you're frustrating the grace of God. And so inside of you, you're expecting God to do something. You're holding God to something. You're crying out to God about something. But you're not understanding that if you frustrate the grace of God, it's not that God withdraws. It's what he has already given you. And his grace and his righteousness is how you get what's already been given. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, he's talking again. He's talking to the Galatians because so many of the people, as Paul was writing his letters to these churches, would go back into old covenant believing. So here he's saying, he's bringing this up again. He says in verse 4 of Galatians 5, Christ is become of no effect unto you. What? Whoa, 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 what? Christ, Jesus Christ is of no effect in your life. And then he goes on to explain, whosoever of you are justified by the law, justified by your efforts, justified by you being good enough, you being clean enough, you obeying God enough. It says, if you try to get justified, is another word for righteousness, if you try to be righteous on your efforts, it says you have fallen from grace. That does not mean that as a born-again, spirit-filled believer, that you are no longer saved. It means that you are a follower of Christ, but are not using the power source that is at your disposal. His grace. You know, we're not going to go at this right now for time's sake, but when the Apostle Paul came to God in prayer and said, an evil spirit is harassing me, from city to city, causing everybody to rise up against me. And I've been given this thorn in the flesh, and everyone thinks that it's God hurting him, trying to keep him humble. And it's so far off New Testament doctrine. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. He wasn't saying my ability for you to smile while you're going through hell, although it'll help you through a problem. He's talking about real results. Grace is not just an ability to smile in a storm. There are things in our lives that God gives us the strength to endure because they're not going to change. For example, you are going to be surrounded by people who don't believe like you do. It's not going to change. People will come against you. That's not going to change. People will disagree with you. That's not going to change. The enemy's going to attack you. He's going to shoot fiery darts. He's going to bring things against you. That's never going to change in your lifetime. So there are things that he empowers us to get up and walk through. But there are other things, especially when you know the promises of God, that that promise is to manifest itself in your physical world today. 
You don't want to frustrate his grace. You don't want to be fallen from grace. You want to be able to walk in this stunning, amazing place of God's favor and ability just surrounding you and going in front of you and affecting your health, affecting your relationships, affecting your mind. It's with his peace, his joy, making your body alive with health, pushing out disease, bringing forth the life of God, your youth being renewed like the eagles. Oh man, so many people have sold short the word of God. The Bible says here in Romans chapter 9, verse 30 to 33, and it's an incredible teaching, and I want you to write this down or listen to this message again and again. But it's talking here about two kinds of righteousness. And in verse 30, he says, What then shall we say that the Gentiles, who did not even pursue righteousness or being right with God, they've obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What is that stumbling stone that makes so many people trying to follow Christ fall? What is this rock that trips people up? Everyone thinks, well, it's Jesus. Okay, yes, but let's go a step deeper because what Jesus did for you and I that causes so many strong people, mature people, passionate people, people who love God, who want God, is how they have righteousness in their life. When they begin to try to work their own righteousness out. I remember in my dad's church, when I was pastoring with him, this woman. And this woman knew the word. She meditated in the word, spent time in the word. Oh, man, she, she operated. She prayed in the spirit. She got up and volunteered everywhere. She had an opinion, though, on everybody. She judged everybody. And I don't think I ever saw her in the years that I knew her ever get a miracle. Not over things she believed God for physically, not over situations in her family relationally, not over things financially, not over the stressed out mind that she never seemed to walk in peace or joy. This was one frustrated woman. This way, but any time she could get a chance to talk to me, it was always, I don't understand. I am tithing. I volunteer at this church. I am giving. I am here night and day. I have laid my life down. And she would work herself up into this self-righteous situation. And you'd try to teach her something and she knew the word oh she could quote more verses than me she'd memorized so much scripture it had just never sunk in where she understood how to connect the beautiful dots of what is salvation what is righteousness what is 
faith. What is grace? So many people understand one linear area of doctrine and don't understand how they beautifully work together. You know, you can watch a hockey team, and I'm speaking to a lot of Canadians, and you watch these men get on the ice or women, and they begin to work that puck. And as they begin to come down that ice, when everything clicks, and they begin to work together, Together. It is a work of art. It is something to see. It is beautiful to watch. Now, one guy skating around the ice with a puck, no one's going to pay. Sometimes when we look at the Bible, people focus on one teaching, one issue. It's always faith. It's always renewing the mind. It's always righteousness. It's always grace. It's always something. And they need to dive into God's word so they begin to renew their mind in the truths of God's word. And so I, re I, I remember watching that woman live her life out. I was there with my father for about 14 years in that church. And, and just, she lived. She died. I watched the unhappiness go on from generation to generation. And, uh, you know, no one knows who I, I don't talk about specific people. Everyone thinks they know who I'm talking about sometimes. But I, I can go back. And as a pastor, which I've watched many people, they refuse to do this. And it affects their lives. It affects their marriage. It affects their kids. And it affects their kids. And it affects their kids' marriages and their kids' kids. It, it affects generations. And I want you to know this issue, if you think you can earn a miracle, if you think that by serving God better than somebody else, you have access to more power, then you have missed the teaching of righteousness. And so do, if you're living in a place of frustration, if you're living in a place of you've just lost all expectation and you're smart enough to keep Jesus, you believe in Jesus, but you just start accepting, well, not much else is going to change, then I want to challenge you today that there's something wrong with a heart belief. You see, the Bible teaches us that mountains move, problems move in Mark 11 when you speak to them and do not doubt in your heart. So when you get teachings that cause you to doubt in your heart, it's hard to get your heart to work, to move the problems and to see the miracles that God has for you. In Romans chapter 10, it talks about this again. It says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. I have met so many Christians like this. I have been at conferences and watched someone get up and weep as they taught the word and preached from their examples as they taught the word and scratched my head and thought, that's not even the Bible. That's their experience. They talk about, well, this is how I see it. Well, Paul didn't tell Timothy, go preach people as to how you see it. He said, preach the word. I'd listen to people passionately weep or passionately lay down their lives. And, and, and they would do things that weren't even biblical. It wasn't even according to the word of God. And, well, this is what I think. The Bible doesn't say to do what you think. It says, look to the Word. Go to His Word. Absorb it. Meditate on it. Feed on it. Jesus is the bread of life. And I want to challenge you today. There are people, as verse says, verse 2, that have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they are ignorant of, listen to this, God's righteousness. Why is righteousness always in these verses? 
It says, and they go about to establish their own righteousness. And they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Because Jesus is the end of earning your righteousness or of the law for righteousness. It's now for everyone who believes. There's something so simple, it's become a stumbling block to many Christians. When people first get saved and they come as they are, as messed up, drug addicted, porn addicted, you know, alcohol addicted, or they come with none of these addictions, they're a disciplined person, but they're unhappy, they're looking for purpose in life, there's got to be something more, whichever way. If they, when they come, they come as they are. You know that beautiful old song that the preachers of old used to do at conferences and big stadium events, just as I am, without one plea. And they would, they would sing that as people came down by the thousands to the front to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And the reason they sang that song is they wanted people to know as the, as the whole audience sang, come as you are, come as messed up, or you th whatever. come as you are. And then they would look and realize, I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus. That attitude must continue through your life. That you need Jesus, his righteousness. Someone says, well, that'll just encourage you to sin. No, after 40 years of pastoring and working in churches, I've noticed that those who believe that they are righteous because of the finished work of Jesus, it becomes their identity on the inside, and it affects everything on the outside. I want you to know, someone's saying, well, Leon, what do I do? Let me give you a quick solution. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, what does it say? The word of God is near you, but it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart you believe unto righteousness. This version says justified, same thing. You must believe you are righteous in Christ, okay? And then it says, and with your mouth you confess that you are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him in context, is talking here specifically about your righteousness, will never be put to shame. In Romans 5, 17, it says here that this gift of righteousness comes to you through Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know where your life has gone. But if you slide back into the lies of the enemy, and by the way, Satan's greatest trick is not alcohol, it's not adultery. Satan's greatest trick is not drugs. Satan's greatest trick is self-righteousness. I see it everywhere. I have to struggle with that every day in my own life, and so do you. It is where I feel this need to make myself more righteous for God to work through me greater. And that's not a part of the new covenant. Because I am righteous in Christ. And as I begin to believe this gift of righteousness, that I am right with God because of Jesus, there is nothing he's going to do to pull away 
Someone says you haven't pleased him. One man told me with tears in his eyes at a conference that I was at. He was a speaker and I was a speaker. And he just told me how that God stopped doing miracles in his life. How that this had happened to his family. This had happened to his kids. This had happened to him. And it was all because God was trying to teach him something. And he said it with such passion. And he was so cocky when he told me. It was like he was, he, he was so um, proud of his humility. None of the things he said to me were biblically true, and I noticed there was no way for me to, I don't like arguing with people. If people actually have an open heart, I'll teach them the word, and I just let them go off and talk, and I recognized the enemy has turned what could be a great man of God and after that point, when I met with him a number of years ago, just watched everything he had built in that country, everything he had done, just dissipate, and problems and issues, and, and it just goes on and on. And I begin to recognize Satan wants you to feel like God is backing away from you because of you not being good enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. Go ahead and read three chapters, and the devil will say you should have read ten. Go ahead and tithe, and the devil will say you should be giving offerings as well. Go ahead and volunteer and uh, feel like you have to at this church, and, and the enemy will say, well, you don't volunteer enough. Go ahead and be, be, be kind and loving, and, and the enemy it's never enough. I don't do these things because I'm trying to earn. In fact, when I understood that I am righteous because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, it inspired me. I've often had people look at me and say, man, you try so hard to get people to like you. You try so hard to prove that you're some kind of saint. Leon, you're just always on the go trying to do something. Well, you know, why don't you relax? Well, I like what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 1. He said, this mystery of the gospel, he says, it works in me mightily. And he just loves when you begin to realize that you are righteous, you and God are good, you love helping people, you love volunteering, you love laying hands on people. You love doing the most menial tasks because you're serving the body of Christ and you're not doing it trying to earn God's credit. You're not doing it trying to make people notice how good I am. You already know who you are in Christ. I am right with God. He's given me this gift of righteousness through Jesus. Jesus won it for me on the cross. Therefore, I live in him. Therefore, I don't have to worry about condemnation. I don't have to worry that, oh, I did something wrong yesterday and my God is withdrawn from me. No. Hey, there's things you're going to pay for doing things wrong. Run a red light and keep running it on purpose and watch what happens to you. And don't blame God when someone T-bones you. Yes, there are things on this, but you and God, the curse was taken by Jesus and righteousness is a gift. And there are people listening to me right now, you, you weep when you begin to hear teaching and, and you cry out to God as though, and you just have this incredible sense you're just not enough. Hey, I got a news flash. You're not. And you never will be. So stop trying to be that and just turn to Jesus. And when you've given him your life, accept. So many people believe in Jesus as their Savior, but they've never believed in Jesus as their righteousness. That's a line you need to write down and reread your New Testament. I believe Jesus is my Lord, but he is 
my righteousness. I can lift my head high. I can smile. I can know that all that God has done, Jesus won for me, qualified me for every promise. When I get up in the morning, I don't have to beat myself up because I didn't do enough the day before. And by the way, I know what I'm talking about because that's how I thought for years of my Christian life. I had to do more. I had to, to just go out there and burn for God. And, and, and I recognize that, oh, I want to do all that. But from a place of he loves me, he's smiling at me, that I am in right standing with him, righteous. I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I like putting a play on words to help people. Take this message today. You may need to get, well, you will, all of us do, because I go through these scriptures and I confess them every day. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been given a gift of righteousness from Jesus in Romans 5, 17. I am in him. I am seated with him on heavenly places. Therefore, I am right with God. I can believe for any miracle that I desire. And when I believe for the miracle, I don't have to earn it. I just believe for his grace. So many people are focused on believing for the miracle, but the Bible teaches us that you just believe in his grace, that you're favored, you're righteous, therefore his ability is there to do that miracle. And that, my friends, is what gives you a miraculous life. This is when the life of Christ will begin to, to, to inhabit your body cells and bring healing. This is when your mind will be at peace and you'll know joy. You'll start laughing again from your belly. This is when you'll get up and when the storms blow and it can be a storm that you have to walk through because it might be a national storm it might be something that you actually can't control but you can get up and walk through in victory knowing he'll never leave me never forsake me get your expectations back on Jesus and today I want you to understand that believe that you are righteous in Christ Believe you've been qualified for all the promises. And most of you, all of us, because I have to do this all the time, I have to confess every day that all of God's promises are mine because of Jesus. I have to confess every day out loud with my mouth, like it says in Romans 8, that I am righteous because of Jesus. I believe what he did on the cross. And as you begin to confess who you are in Christ, what you've got, you begin to live that way. The enemy will never stop attacking you, trying to condemn you, make you feel small, make you feel that what you didn't do enough of or what you fell in and fell into sin the other week, or yes, that that has turned God off, he's turned his head. It'll take you years to get him to turn his head back and look at you with favor. All of that teaching is Old Testament, and even there it's taken out of context. Get into the New Testament. Understand from the cross to the throne. In Ephesians 2, and this is my last verse, people who say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe anything miraculous will take place in my life. I just, you know, quietly go about my work knowing one day I'll go home to be with Jesus. Here's a verse you need to understand. Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by your works, so that you can boast. Now, we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If this salvation is just internal and not external, then how come you have been created to do good works on this planet? And these these good works are what Jesus commanded when he said in Mark 16, 15 and on, you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You speak with a new tongue. You don't worry about the attacks of the enemy. You recognize that everywhere you go, these good works aren't just pass out water. These good works aren't just smile at people. Of course you should do that. These good works are to be like Jesus was to this world. So does this grace, when you understand that you are righteous, your world begins to change. So it doesn't matter what season, what's going on in your country, wherever you are listening to this, this is a pivotal message for a new believer. You are a new creation. Need to confess every day who you are in Christ. Righteous, forgiven blessed every promise you are qualified for everywhere you go god protects you everywhere you go well leon i don't believe that because yeah i know you don't then don't worry about it but my bible says that a thousand can fall at my side ten thousand at my right hand my bible says he's my rear guard my bible says i won't be afraid of sickness or terror or arrows or bullets so I'm going to believe what God's Word says. And I'm going to challenge you to go back to the basics and begin to speak out loud every day that you are righteous in Christ. Take these verses that I have taught from today and speak them out loud every day in your prayer time so that you have this incredible sense. Hey, I'm God's favorite. I don't mean compared to anybody else. Recognize he is so in love with me, so happy and pleased with me, and don't allow the enemy to steal the life that Jesus died to give you. Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and more abundantly. Father, I pray today that you touch every one of us, that we would know that we are righteous in Christ. I pray for that person that is listening to me right now who feels so beat up, who feels so frustrated, who's cried out and sincere and passionate, but sincerely wrong. I pray that they would go to your word, and I pray that, Father, your spirit would teach them how to walk out what has already been given to them. Father, for those who don't know you, I pray they'd do that right now. If you're watching me, and you said, man, I didn't realize that Christianity was this beautiful. I don't want religion, neither do I. I hate religion, these man-made rules that just judge people and no. But when you follow Jesus, something beautiful and different. So if you'd like to give your life to him, be forgiven, become a new creation, be in God's family, just pray these powerful words. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. I'm following you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God.